All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome in to season four, episode 18, the season wrap up and finale of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. My name is Andrew Drozdak. I'm one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by my good buddy, the coolest guy I know, the best brewer in town, my co-host, Thomas Bowen. Bowen, anything big happened today? Man, I'll tell you, I I, uh, I was scraping the bottom of the barrel for some content for the show, you know, after that boring national championship, but uh, right. we got some news out of Tuscaloosa, did we not? We sure did, and uh, for anybody who's listening to the pod, it is... Uh, January the 10th at 7.26 p.m. here uh, as we record. And just a few hours ago, reports started coming out of Tuscaloosa that Nick Saban, possibly, most likely, the best college football coach to ever do it, is retiring after 17 seasons at Alabama, six national championships while he was at Alabama, an overall record of 201-28, and and producing 44 First round draft picks, Thomas. That's quite the stat line. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. I mean, it's we all knew how how good Saban was and and is, notwithstanding how this season ended. But you know, when you really put the numbers down like that and look at it, it's just it's freaking staggering, man. It is it is just wild what he's done there. Here's some other wild Nick Saban at Alabama stats. Nick Saban coached four Heisman Trophy winners during his time at Alabama. Joining Notre Dame's Frank Leahy uh, uh, for tied for the most Heisman Trophy winners coach during a head coaching career. Nick Saban's 201 wins at Alabama is more than the team won in the 24 years combined from the time Bear Bryant retired to Nick Saban was hired in 20, uh, 2007. And no recruiting class, Thomas, recruited by Nick Saban at Alabama went four years without winning a national championship. That is insane. Without without winning a national championship, not just playing. And without winning, according to wow. ESPN Sports Center uh, <laughs> Instagram posts, that every recruiting class during the four years that they should have been in school won a national championship while they were at Alabama. So, so they're good for a natty every four years. That is uh, that is that is damn impressive. That's How do you follow insane. that? I don't know. It's great, great point, great segue because that's my next question. Who's going to replace Nick Saban as the new head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide? Thomas, I'm going to tell you, my money is on Lane Kiffin. I think the folks over in Tuscaloosa back up a money truck to Lane's house over in Oxford, Mississippi, and tell him to come home to the Crimson Tide. Who are you thinking? All right, so while I definitely agree with you that Lane Kiffin is on that short list, I think that Kiffin may have burned a few too many bridges during his time in Tuscaloosa and Joey Freshwater days. But I think some other names you're going to hear, <clears throat> let's just put them out there. Right now is probably getting the most buzz is Dan Lanning, current yep. head coach at Oregon. Um, 
who has uh, has been, I think he's been on Saban staff before, right? I know he coached yes. for Kirby at Georgia, but yeah, I think Kirby took him to Georgia from Alabama. He took him with him from Tuscaloosa, I believe. I don't can't remember what position he was coaching, but Lanning was a defensive uh, position coach in Tuscaloosa and then the D coordinator in Athens for Kirby. Yeah, and I, so I think I think Dan Lanning makes the most sense, particularly how he runs a program. He runs a, a very a very saving like program, and I think yep. the administration of Alabama is going to want somebody they're comfortable with. They're not going to want to rock the boat too much. And Saban has built this machine, and they want to keep that machine rolling. Lane Kiffin, I love Lane Kiffin. We talk about him all the time, but I think he's a bit of a wild card. I think you also cannot rule out uh, the possibility of Steve Sarkeesian's name getting thrown in there, mm-hmm. current head coach in mm-hmm. Texas, and what he did there. And he has been an OC at Alabama under Saban mm-hmm. before as part of that Saban Coach and Recovery uh, Institute or whatever he was running over in Tuscaloosa. But mm-hmm. all of that to say, um, I think it's probably going to be Dan Dan Lanning. But here's the here's the weird thing. So. You said Saban's been there 17 seasons, right? Correct. The, the, the administration at Alabama has not been in this position in almost two decades. Who right. the hell knows what they're going to do? You know, if this is an A&M, we're like, well, they're going to shit the bed 100%. That's right. right? But, That's right. But who knows what Alabama's going to do? You like to think uh, they're going to be very measured and smart about this, uh, trying to replace Saban. But it's also like. They always say, man, you never want to be the guy that replaces the guy. That is correct. And one name I noticed that you left off the list there, Thomas, that we as Gamecock fans like to make jokes about, but he's got two national championships as a head football coach, and he played at the University of Alabama. That boy up in the upstate, Dabo Sweeney. I don't know that Alabama is going to come calling, but I can tell you, in my opinion, Dabo Sweeney's telling his agent, get on the phone with somebody in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, it's funny you say that. And because I wonder, and I don't know who who uh, Dabo's agent is, but you have to guess it's probably a high percentage that it is the one Jimmy Sexton, who Correct. represents a whole lot of coaches, including Nick Saban, including Will Muschamp. I don't know if he represents Beamer, but all of the top names. And I did see a tweet earlier that I had to laugh at that said uh, – Jimmy Sexton has to be loving this because he is about to make two dozen coaches a whole lot of money as their Absolutely. schools scramble to lock them into contract extensions. Yeah. So it, it could be a wild few days here. His commission over the next few weeks and whatnot is about to be insane. Um, yeah, so, yeah, ridiculous. he's going to be in good shape. Uh, all right. And, Thomas, one other piece before we move on to the national championship, because this is obviously the bigger news, quite honestly. Um how mad are you if you're Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll essentially <laughs> stepped down as the head coach as the of the Seattle um, Seattle Seahawks. Like all I could think of was Supersonics, and I knew that wasn't correct. Uh, Seattle Seahawks today, and he's got to be sitting there going, "He did it again!" Like Nick Saban <laughs> continues to snake the spotlight from Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll's like had this great press conference where he cried and he thanked everybody, and he's being Pete Carroll, being the great you know, per- people person he is. And here's Nick Saban going, nope, I'm going to rain on that parade. Guess what? I'm retiring. <laughs> dirty. It's dirty. Yeah, man. He stole his thunder. He stole his thunder. But we do need to talk about the national championship, Thomas. It was not the good game either one of us wanted it to be. Started off uh, a little bit that way, but it got out of hand quickly. Bowen, what are your impressions from the game, your thoughts from the game? 
what 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 was your big takeaway if anything yeah you know we we had really high hopes for this game and uh and and early i was like hell man michigan's just gonna run it down the throat it's gonna be over with then you saw some life out of washington cut it to 17 to 10 at halftime i was thinking washington's getting the ball back in the second half with the chance to tie it up Penix comes out <laughs> throws a pick i think on the first play of the third quarter yes it was and and Michigan was just dominant in the in this game. Like we talked about how good their defense was and and how impressive, but and we also talked about how Michigan's gonna want to establish the run and really lean on that, keep Penix off the field. Well, look, they didn't really have to keep Penix off the field because he played one of his worst games all season. Some stats for you. Michigan rushed for 303 yards, Blake Corbin, mm-hmm. 134 and two touchdowns. Edwards had 104 and two touchdowns, and I think 80 of those yards were on two plays. He had those two, like, 40-yard yep. chunk runs. Yep. But, it, you know, it's before Monday, Washington had allowed only two rush plays of 40-plus all season, and they gave up three in the first half. Two of those were those Donovan Edwards ones. But all of that to say, man, Washington's defense still did enough to keep them in the game. I mean, after the the first 17 minutes of play, the fireworks that that was, Michigan went punt, turnover on downs, punt, field goal, punt, punt, punt. Mm -hmm. I mean, so uh, I don't think you could have asked for much more out of your defense if you're Washington, but, man, Penix picked a a hell of a game to to really crap the bed. Yeah, man, he he did. It was a bad game for him. You know, Thomas, some folks could say that he came out there and he was ice cold. Couldn't get hot, couldn't get warm. If you're trying to get ice cold, Thomas, where would you get some free ice to do that? Yeah, yeah. Penix is uh he looked a little gimpy there too at the end of the game. He might be needing some ice for that ankle. I know uh Dylan Johnson, goodness gracious, he was he was playing in a lot of pain all game. So they're gonna be needing a whole lot of ice and and I bet they're gonna wish they had some twice the ice because this is where you need to be buying your ice, folks. Don't be buying your ice from the gas station anymore. They charge almost $3 for a seven-pound bag. It's usually just a solid block of ice. You lose it all over the parking lot. It's terrible. Why pay that when you can get a 16-pound bag or 20 pounds dumped in your cooler for only $2.50? They've got machines conveniently around Columbia, Chapin, Irmo, St. Andrews, West Columbia, Eastover, downtown, everywhere. Twice the ice is perfect for you, and we are going to give you a great deal when you're standing at the machine, just text the word AVERAGE to the large yellow phone number with a bag slide out. It's super easy, super convenient, free ice for you and your next party or tailgate. Participating locations can be found at tticlub.com slash Lake Murray Ice. And a special, special thank you on this uh, season finale to our friends at Twice the Ice, and we hope to have them back next year. Yes, thank you, Twice the Ice, for uh, for joining us this year. Hope to continue that partnership as we move into next football season. Thomas, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, the, the thing I kept hearing about that Michigan defense, and I told you, like you said, that it was really good, that they had really built it. They had designed it. They had recruited it to beat the high-powered offense that was Ohio State. Well, then they came out there and, for the most part, did that to Washington. Um, Penix just looked uncomfortable the whole game. Um, Thomas, I you you said this I think last time, you know you mentioned he was left-handed and that throws you off because you don't watch a whole lot of Washington. I had forgotten about how unorthodox his throwing motion is. Like, yeah, it's it like is, he short arms it. Yeah, it, I don't even know how he gets the <clears throat> ball out on a long run, like long throw. It, it's weird. I mean, it makes Danny Warfel look like he came over the top. So it's just 
It was a weird looking throw in motion, but I mean, it's worked for him up until this point. I think Michigan's defense was just ready. And Michigan's offense, man, you said they went through a little spet, spout there where they were punt, 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 but they were they wanted to run the ball. That was going to be their bread and butter, and they did. You know, you gave up chunk runs to Edwards, like you said. Quorum had his game. I mean, you know, you give up 300-plus rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns to two guys, you're not going to win very many football games doing that, and Washington yep. didn't, and they faded down. And, you, you know, you talked about, you always use that phrase, crock-potting them. And Michigan crop potted them, man. They started yeah. wearing them down, and all of a sudden, the heat got a little too hot, and it was over. And, uh, you know, that's just, you know, Thomas, does, do you a little bit wish, and I'm not trying to give Georgia fans any more f- fuel for their fire, <laughs> but I almost wish we could have seen Michigan-Georgia. I think that would have been a better matchup. Um, do, do you? I'll just put you on the spot. Do you think in that matchup, Michigan, I don't think it'd be this lopsided. Does Michigan get the win in that in your mind? I don't know, man. I think that is a really intriguing matchup. If you look at it, like if you're saying if Michigan plays the the, the same way they actually mm-hmm. played, if mm-hmm. they were facing Georgia, man, that would be. I mean, that would be the final score of that game might be six to three. You know, right? Or just yeah, it'd be, it'd be a grinded out. It'd be a grinded out situation in, with, with. I the think Georgia, Michigan, Michigan, but yeah, I think that that Michigan that we saw the other night, I think they could beat this Georgia team. I, I agree. I mean, I came away from this feeling that Michigan was the best college football team in the country. That's just how I came away from the playoffs and the end of their season. And, I mean, Georgia had its, its I wouldn't call them stumbles, but maybe its warts throughout the year, obviously losing to Bama in the SEC championship. But, you know, they didn't look like the juggernaut they have looked at, looked like at times. I think Michigan could have – you know, definitely beating them. Somebody on Twitter tried to say Michigan would have whooped everybody, including that 2019 LSU team. I, whoa, whoa, Ooh, whoa, I don't know whoa. about that. Let's I think that's down, one of the man, best Cowboy. teams of the modern era. Yeah, I think they may be one of the best ever put together. I mean, they they were studs, but that's a debate for a later day in, in the offseason. But Michigan wins their national championship, their first since 1997, Thomas. Uh, that would have been our seventh grade year of high school, uh, middle school. So that's, uh, you know, that's how old we are. Um, so, you know, that's right. Correct. Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. Just making sure. Yep. That's right. And uh, they were still voting on the national championship back then, weren't they? Yeah. They, they, that wasn't BCS then. That would have been <laughs> 99, 2000 would have been BCS. So anyway, you know, good for them. Now, Thomas, the biggest question coming out of this game may not have been about the game at all. The big question is, is Jim Harbaugh, gonna stick around in ann arbor thomas what are you think? now now but before before i jump to harbaugh i want to i want to close out one one little thing that i forgot here to put okay. in perspective how good this michigan defense has been i saw some impressive stats earlier today michigan is the first team to allow less than 25 points in all 15 games since wow. minnesota did it 120 years ago 120 years ago, you 120 said. years ago. Now, wow. here's the other one that kind of blew my mind. All season, over 15 games, Michigan only gave up eight passing touchdowns, and they were responsible for 18 interceptions out of 15 wow. games. In fact, here's a trivia for you. Only one quarterback threw for multiple touchdowns against Michigan, and he only threw for two, but only one quarterback did. Oh gosh. Um 
I mean, would it be the Ohio State quarterback? Hey, ding, 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 winner, winner, Kyle McCord. He also had a QBR of 89.7 against Michigan. The only other quarterback with a QBR above 70 against this defense was Rutgers, Gavin Wimsat. But all that to say, you know, I'm not trying to give Ohio State any credit here, but they poo-pooed on Kyle McCord. But statistically, QBR might not be the best indicator, but statistically he probably performed better than Well, and I was going to say, he, you know, Ryan Day – you hadn't been able to beat Michigan in a while, and you took your quarterback who had the best performance uh, of any quarterback <laughs> exactly. against Michigan and made him so upset by not like you know committing to him as a starter. He's left to go to Syracuse, so good good on you on that. Now, I guess I believe it's official that Will Howard from Kansas State is transferring to Ohio State to be their quarterback. So he's a dual threat guy. So he you know that might be a little more their style, but. Yeah, man, uh, this Michigan defense, man, those stats are elite. I mean, yeah. anytime you do something that no one's done in 120 years, Pretty and the impressive. fact that you only gave up eight passing touchdowns all season, I mean, that's yeah. that's insane. That's yeah. insane. I mean, it's impressive to not do that over a four-game period. Right. I mean, like, to do it for 15 is is wild. And 18 interceptions. I had, that's, ooh, we got we to start thinking, is this Michigan defense – one of the best college football has seen. It's, uh, yeah, I think you can make the argument now. Yeah, I mean, that's – now, I mean, their names on their defense, I mean, they don't stand out to me as much as, like, the 0-1 Miami team that had right. all those studs. But, I mean, as a team, they went out there and obviously did some impressive things. So that's wild. All right, let's get back to Harbaugh, Thomas. You know, there's there's smoke that he's hired an agent that's connected to the NFL – there's rumors that he's put feelers out. Um, he's really interested in coaching maybe in uh, L.A. with the Chargers where he was a player, and they have uh, Justin Herbert. I've also heard a little bit about Raider Nation getting involved. Tom Brady's a part owner over there with the Raiders now. Thomas, is there is there any fire to this smoke? I think there is. And because I feel like, you know, the last, I don't know, five plus years, like there's been multiple times where Harbaugh has quote unquote flirted with the NFL. And I think it's pretty well known that he wants to get back to the NFL. Um, I think, I think the Raiders could make a run at Harbaugh too. Yeah. I think you're right. The chargers make a lot of sense. I think the Raiders make a run at him. Can the Raiders pay more or will they pay more? But but here's something else to think about. If he does go to the Raiders, would he want to use their first-round draft pick, which is number 13, for one J.J. McCarthy? At that, at 13, I think that's a reasonable pick. You know, if they had the Maybe. number one overall draft pick. I mean, pick, I'm, I I'm not really but... a big fan of taking quarterbacks for, in the first round no. anyway, but right. that's why I don't get paid millions of dollars. That's true. <laughs> well, but then so that's my point of why, I go to the, why not go to the Chargers. You've got a proven – quarterback that even some people are calling generational and Justin Herbert. I mean, you know, that he can, you know, so you got him tailor made already. Um, got yeah. NFL experience. I think Harbaugh, you know, he was a Michigan guy, Michigan man, as they like to say. Uh, you know, he now he's won a national championship. He's beat Ohio State a bunch of times. He's won the Big Ten. You know, the one thing not on his resume, he made it all the way to the Super Bowl with the 49ers, but lost to his brother and his Ravens team. So, you know, if you look at what's missing on on a, a resume, he I'm sure he'd love to add a Super Bowl title to that. 
And, By the way, I had totally forgotten that that was who he lost to in that Super yeah, Bowl. I remember I was, he had lost a Super Bowl, but right. man, I forgot it was his brother. <laughs> that was the famous one where the lights went out in the stadium. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that was wild. Um, but yeah, he lost to his brother. It was the Harbaugh Bowl. bowl. Uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. And here's the thing: if you go look at the Vegas betting lines right now, I'd be willing to bet the Ravens are the favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, they they are the number one seed in the AFC. Probably the best team in NFL. You know they beat the 49ers. It's, you know, uh, you know it may he's got to be itching a little bit. I mean, I think there's something in coaches that you always kind of you know, the NFL is the top level. You want to prove I can do it. You know, it's if there's any, you know, emptiness if you want to say it on Nick Saban's resume, it's that he didn't really succeed uh, in the NFL. I think he's a bit of a taskmaster, a hard nosed guy. And, and, you know, I think that's why he didn't last as long in the NFL. I've heard interviews where he knew it wasn't going to go great because they took a run famously at Drew Brees when he was leaving the Chargers after his shoulder surgery, ended up losing out to the Saints and the rest of history. Uh, so, you know, he kind of, Saban kind of points as that moment as when he knew he wasn't going to work out for him in the NFL. But John Harbaugh can, or excuse me, Jim can now say, I've won a national championship, Big Ten championships, beat Ohio State. Let me go to the NFL, get that Super Bowl, and the list of guys who've won a national championship and a Super Bowl as a head coach is a pretty short list. Jimmy Johnson's on that list. Believe it or not, Barry Switzer's on that list. Um, but it's a short list of guys who've done both. Pete Carroll's on that list if you still consider his national championship real, not vacated <laughs> like the NCAA likes to say. They played so, the damn game and they won, so it's real. I agree with you 100%. <clears throat> so – you know, that's that's a rarefied situation. You know, and do you really want your brother to go get his second Super Bowl? And, you know, you got to go to Thanksgiving with that guy. You got to go to Christmas, family holidays, and hear all his junk. I'm, I, You know, it's going to be interesting to watch. All right, Thomas, let's do a quick kind of college football wrap-up. I'll start us off. Overall, I would say another great season. It's different than it's been because of NIL, because of free transfer. We're seeing those changes already. We're seeing that kind of thing. The question is, is it going to be a negative? You know, right now it's just different. Anything different's weird and hard. But Thomas, one thing I like about it is I do feel like you may not see a Nick Saban dynasty like we've seen at Alabama because players that played at Alabama, they talked about Nick Saban can be a hard guy. Ryan Clark, NFL analyst now, has the Pivot podcast, talked about when he was at LSU with Saban, and Saban was just dogging him. And he was like, what in the world? You know, like, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything you tell me to do. Long story short, Nick Saban set him down and said, listen, I can't yell at everybody the way I yell at you. You can take it. I know you can take it. So I use you as a conduit for everybody else. And and Ryan Clark said, I mean, you could have told me that, which is a great point. <laughs> But my point on saying that is players aren't going to sit there and take that anymore. Coach starts ripping you. You must think about Dabo Sweeney tearing into players on the sideline that, you know, we all like to see even, a, you know, a Steve Spurrier jump all over you. So, you know, are you going to start seeing players go, you know what? I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to listen to you. I'm going to go somewhere else. And does that change the, the landscape? I mean, we've talked on this show about all the quarterbacks already who were starters who have moved on to other schools and it just feels like thomas 
is going to be a weird feeling for a while, but the product on the field is still good. I still get fired up. It may not be that you've got the same player at the same school for three years, two years anymore, but let's be honest, you know, it does not bother me that if South Carolina, you know, they've done really well in the, in the transfer portal. If the guys they brought in from other schools are only here for one year and they help us win a whole bunch of games, they're going to be Gamecock legends. So is it negative? Is it bad? What's your take on NIL and transfer and just the season in general? Yeah, I think uh, I'm disappointed and I'm happy and I'm sad about this football season. I'm disappointed as a Gamecock fan. We had a little bit higher hopes this year as well as Spencer Rattler played. uh, Much maligned on the offensive line as well, the defensive woes. Things started to come together at the end. Uh, Some things, at least defensively. So that is my disappointment. I'm happy because we saw a lot of good football this year. I'm happy that as much as I've enjoyed as much as I've enjoyed the playoffs as what they are, I'm happy that we're going to 12 teams and we'll talk about that more a little bit here. But I'm happy to see a lot of really good competition. I'm happy to see a lot of really good talented players able to freely transfer and go to some other schools. And finally, I would say that I am sad because now we have to go roughly eight months with no college football. And maybe some of the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl might scratch a little bit of that itch. But you and I are college football junkies at heart. Um, that is correct. I'm already looking forward to next year, man. I, I, I really am. I mean, who's your who's your your way too early favorites for next year? I, mean, I think it's got to be Georgia. Um, you know, the, they're, they've they seemed to held on to most of their guys and got ETN's brother. Uh, what's uh, the one that was at Florida who's now going to be running back for the for Georgia? Um, and that's the thing that you got to get used to as a college football fan is you're going to see stuff like that. The idea of a player transferring from Florida to Georgia 20, 30 years ago was insane. Like, that would not happen. And now it's the norm. Um, I think Georgia is going to be very good. I mean, you know, uh, Michigan, depending on what happens with Harbaugh, I mean, I think they continue to compete. Ohio State, you know, did bring in a new quarterback with Will Howard. I think they're going to be a very good team because they've got a lot of talent. They obviously have lost a lot of talent as well. And there's going to be someone that we're not aware of yet that's going to jump out there to us. I'm going to I'm going to tell you this and mark this down, you know, on your on your phone or something here. I'm going to tell you the team that takes the nosedive next season. And it's not who you think I'm going to say because it's not the guys in orange. I think Southern Cal is in for a major major downfall and I believe as much as I like his offense, Lincoln Riley will be fired as Southern Cal's head coach by the end of next season. Oh, January 10th at 7.52 p.m. All right, marking it down. Yep. I I think he goes because he doesn't have a generational talent at quarterback anymore. And uh, those Southern Cal boosters, they aren't going to sit and wait. They aren't going to sit and wait. And I just feel like it's going to – he's been there a while now. And you had the Heisman Trophy candidate. You had the Heisman Trophy winner, best quarterback in college football, probably number one overall draft pick. And you had a bad season. And your defense has been terrible since you were at Oklahoma. I think it may be coming to an end for for Lincoln out in Southern California. Thomas, who's your who's your top teams you, you're looking at for next year? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think Georgia is is of course the easy pick there. Um, but I'll tell you a team that I think is gonna make some noise once again next year is Oregon. Because you got to think they're losing Bo Nix, but they've already picked up Oklahoma's quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, in the portal. Got a lot of talent coming back at wide receiver. Defense loses some big names, but they still got Jordan Birch, good linebackers, good yep. defensive backs. Um, and finally, after Oregon. Man, I think Ole Miss could make some noise. Sure, mm-hmm. they they lost star running back Quinshaw Judkins, but Jackson Dart's coming back. Uh, a bunch of other big names, big wide receivers, tight end. I mean, they could, especially with it being a 12-team playoff next year, I'm putting Ole Miss in the playoffs. Definitely. Now that it's 12 teams, they're in the playoff in my mind too. Now, if correct, correct me if I'm wrong here. The transfer portal opens up one more time, right? Like right after spring or something like that? Yeah, so, yeah. Or, or it's uh, it's it's no, I think it's later. It's before the spring game. Okay, all right. So my question then becomes: Now what we know about Nick Saban, there's going to be dominoes that are going to fall. Number one, who's going to be their coach? What are those players wanting to do? Who's going to, you know, the guys who came to play for Nick Saban? Do they want to play for the next coaches? Whoever that coach comes from, I doubt they're hiring a a, a, a offensive coordinator. I think they're going for a head coach that's proven. So somebody's program is going to lose a head coach that's proven. So what does that do to that team? So, I mean, things are – everybody's talks about, oh, it's not – you know, people make too big of a deal out of it. It's a big deal. Nick Saban, who from that staff says, yeah, I'm out. You know, I don't want to coach. And who do they just – does the next coach just go ahead and say, I'm I'm cleaning house and I want to I want to fire. And so, you know, that that's just an interesting thought. Thomas, as we get into wrapping it up, uh, we're going to 12 teams next season. We mentioned it already. How do you feel about that? Does that make, you know, the great thing about college football is every game matters. Is 12 teams going to keep it that way going in the playoff? Yeah. Um, and and we've talked about this before, about how much in favor I am for the 12-team playoff. There's always going to be some teams left out, but it, it's going to – it's going to make the postseason matter so much more. And people are going to talk about how, well, it just makes all the other bowl games like even more irrelevant. You know what? Screw that argument. Like if you're mm-hmm. a college football fan, you're going to watch the bowl games. I watched every single one of them, no matter, I don't care if it was the Pop-Tart Bowl or the Sugar Bowl. I'm watching all of those bowl games. So, yeah, uh, I'm very excited for it. And I'm really excited for the competition it's going to bring you the postseason. I agree with you 100%. Thomas, you hit you hit on one spot there and I agree. The 12 teams it just it's not too big to where, you know, games don't matter per se. You know, you still if you lose two football games, uh, you're out. You know, you're this this is still a 12 se- a 12 game season and two losses can end you. That that's that's still pretty major in my book. I think it's going to and I think it does bring in that playoff is going to be very interesting because you you could have a team like, you know, uh, a team that's coming out of the like I mentioned that you're not expecting that maybe they get hot in the playoffs. I mean, and all of a sudden now they're running rock shot. Let's let's say Ole Miss manages to somehow lose two games and everybody's kind of counting them out. They get hot at the right time. And Lane Kiffin gets to run his offense when everybody's trying to play catch up, and boom, they're winning games. So, I mean, it does make that piece more interesting. Bowl games, Thomas, you mentioned, you know, you had some some things in here on the show notes that I thought were great ideas. Do we allow these bowl games to start paying these players? 
can they pay them directly instead of all the gifts and stuff they had to do over the old rules? Can we can we start giving players money for playing in the Sugar Bowl, playing in the you know is the Pop Tart Bowl? What you know? How, how do we how do we do that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, of course that would require some some buy-in from the NCAA and all this, or some separation, whatever. But uh, all that notwithstanding, yeah. Bowls paying the players directly. It's not going to stop the opt-outs for the first and second round guys, but some of those mid-late round guys would think a lot harder about it depending on how much they're getting paid. I agree. And I also like one other thing you had in here about you know getting rid of the conference tie-ins. Just let the the play the the bowl games go. Hey, we want South Carolina and Southern Cal, you know, USC versus USC, and that's what we're and then does it become a bidding war? Does it become a bidding war of how badly do you want that team to come play for you uh, or in your bowl game? And so, I mean, that's an interesting thought. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, because some some bowls would rather have a team that that's that's seven and five, but won three right. straight conference games than a team that might have gone nine and three or eight and four, but limped to the end of the season. You know, let them make up their minds what's going to make the most sense and be the best matchup. I agree with you. And Thomas, as we get ready to wrap up here. Do you see it in the future, and how far off in the future do you see a 16-team playoff? I, I really don't. I think okay. if there is a 16-team playoff, well, let's be honest, what's the driving factor here is dollars, right? It's sure, money. absolutely. So they made a boatload of money on four teams. They're going to make even more <laughs> on 12. So I guess it depends on when they get greedy enough to go there, but I don't think it can go much past that. Yeah, I, I just don't want to lose where games matter. I mean, the thing about football, you don't play a whole lot of games. Basketball, you play a bunch of games in basketball. So, you know, one loss, two losses, three losses, five, hell, five losses isn't a big deal. But, you know, that's the great thing, in my opinion, about college football is it's a 12-game season, and, and, and you feel like every game matters. And so you can't go on a five-game losing streak or a three-game losing streak and still get where you want to go. Um, and so that that's an interesting thing. But I do think 12 teams is going to be awesome. Uh, I, I've come around to it. I was against it there for a while, but I've come around to it. I think it's going to be really good. All right, Thomas, as we're putting a bow on it, another great college football season. You mentioned being sad that it's it's going away. I certainly am too, as, uh, as you said. We've got other big news. You know, Nick Saban's retired. What's going to happen there? So fans, be listening or be looking for an emergency podcast because I can promise you we're going to jump back on the horn and figure out as soon as we hear who Nick Saban's replacement is, Thomas, I feel like that's got to be a show and, and we got to discuss it and what the repercussions of it are. Don't you agree? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I'm looking forward to some offseason for us, too. <laughs> Thomas is giving me a look like, hey, we didn't talk about that. Uh, we didn't, <laughs> that's we didn't not my contract. That. That's not my contract. We're going to have to renegotiate. All right, Thomas. Uh, with that being said, another great season. Love doing it with you as always, Thomas. One more time this year. Tell the folks whatever you want to tell them as we head out the door. Everybody, thanks for being with us again. Great season. Hug and kiss the loves you, the ones you love. How about that? And enjoy your summer. Enjoy a break. And let's get back here in the fall for some even better football and some even better deep discussion on the X's and O's for the Jimmys and Joes. See ya. See ya.